Welcome to The Word from Bethlehem Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Abigail Zhang Hoffman. And I'm Pastor Amy Walter-Peterson. Thanks for dwelling in The Word with us today. Welcome to this week's episode of The Word from Bethlehem Lutheran Church. This week, I am delighted to introduce our guest, Pastor Julie Bergdahl. She is here with us as part of our 100th anniversary celebrations at Bethlehem Lutheran Church. Pastor Bergdahl served as Bethlehem's associate pastor from 1991 to 1994. Bethlehem was her first call, and she was Bethlehem's first female pastor. We are delighted for the history that we share and to hear her reflections, not only on the ministry that she shared among us those 30 years ago, but also for the stirrings and movements of the Spirit since, and her insistence that the Spirit activates us to serve and share God's love in the world. Let's listen. The Holy Gospel for Trinity Sunday is found in John, the 16th chapter. Jesus said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears and he will declare it to you, the things that are to come. He will glorify me, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. This is the Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Somewhere in here there's a sermon note. There we go. I forgot my sermon one time many years ago. It was a good uh, test of how well you think on your feet. A grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God and from our Lord Jesus Christ. It is great to be here with you today. It is my first time back in this building since 1994. Without a show of hands, some of you were not born yet, possibly, at that time. So I'm, I'm older than dirt. But I can see that a lot has changed. I needed a little tour to find my way to how to come into the sanctuary this morning. Our world has certainly changed. And I imagine that all of us have changed a bit as well. I do want to say thank you to your anniversary team. I think they first called me about three years ago. We got delayed by COVID for a whole year. I was supposed to be here a year ago. So like three years ago to invite me to be here. And I want to thank the pastors as well for welcoming me here at Bethlehem. Bethlehem, as some of you know, was my first call in ministry. I had my first sermon here on June 9th, 1991 was something about hide-and-seek and sardines, which is the game of reverse hide-and-seek. It's that 
first call life that where your training wheels come off. You've finished seminary, and if you've ever ridden a bike, you know you're a little unsteady when those training wheels come off, and then you get some confidence, and, and then you get a little too confident, and then you wipe out, and you know, you have to get yourself up and continue on. But I always told my future parishes that they're the beneficiaries of all the mistakes and learning I did in my previous parishes. So all of them, thank you for teaching me how to do this job. I had to learn sink or swim. I was here for three months. You heard I was uh, off with the OIO after the first month. And then Pastor Garner went on sabbatical for four months. So it was sink or swim, ready or not. But I do remember you often. The clock you presented me that goes on my wall when I left is still on my living room wall, and it rings every hour with the little chimes, uh, the Westminster ones. So they go off every hour on the hour. I've gotten used to it, but when I have company and they're sleeping on the pull-out couch I used to have, it would wake them up every hour on the hour. I said, oh, that's from Bethlehem, you know? So, and... Uh, um, I have to remember Jim Berner always had bag skits, so I had to bring a bag and have a few props in there, just like uh, Mrs. Potato. I have a plate. I remember who gave these to me, but somebody gave me dishes because you did a kitchen shower when I first arrived. I had nothing. I didn't even have tables to sit around, or a chair to sit around tables. I, I, uh, I sat on a living room lawn chair. Uh, for the first three months I was here. So somebody gave me these dishes out of their basement. I want you to know they're still in use. So this is a really sturdy plate that has endured several moves uh, since you presented it to me. And then I know I, I can't go on for three hours today, so I'll keep this short, but I, I have a, the home communion kit that you all presented me at my installation here. Uh, Dr. Gordon Lathrop preached from Philadelphia Seminary, and uh, this has been a blessing for the past 31 years as I would visit homebound members or people in hospitals or people who simply couldn't get out and so badly wanted the pastor to come and bring them communion. So thank you for this gift. It was used up until December uh, when I retired. Uh, Christmas Eve was my last Sunday. So uh, communion was brought to people who were, who were 100 and 101 and even 102 years old, uh, the oldest members. So, so don't think for a minute that I forgot all about you uh, after I left. Thank you for the many gifts uh, and, and opportunities to learn that you gave to me. So today is Holy Trinity Sunday. Is it all right to confess it was always my least favorite Sunday to preach, you know, here I am. But it brings to mind, because it was always, you know, a doctrine, and people say, who can explain the Trinity in less than 15 minutes? And I haven't met anybody who could, because the Trinity is a mystery to us, is it not? But yet at the same time, it's where we begin our lives in Christ, in the baptismal font, as we're baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Or as one of my college professors, Dr. Charlemagne, the late Dr. Charlemagne, a Lutheran pastor, he gave a, a talk on the philosophy of religion. And I remember one day he referred to the Trinity as Daddy-O, Junior, and Spook. 
That's the only thing I remember. He's died now, I can say this. He, that's the only thing I remember from 8 a.m. Monday morning philosophy of religion class in college, you know, long time ago. But the Trinity is a mystery. It's always beyond our understanding as God is beyond us. The creator, the one who created from the beginning of the world. And yet, this God is near to us and draws near to us in Jesus, who came to us in the flesh, whom we receive in holy communion every time we receive his body and blood. And this same God in spirit that I'm sure you celebrated last Sunday. I don't, oh, you still have that big fan, that big opening up there. We would turn that on when it got warm. We didn't have air conditioning. And we would turn that on only during hymns because it was so loud. And it would suck all the hot air after the sermon uh, out of the <laughs> sanctuary. <laughs> and the doors in the back of different doors, they would swing open because the suction was so uh, strong that the, the, the doors were just those flappy doors. And they would go... And then when the fans went off, as the hymn was nearing the end, they would just go back and close. Yes. So I'm sure the Holy Spirit came through. I would just turn that fan on for, for Pentecost just for the fun of it. Hold on to your hats. Hold on to your toupees or whatever you got. Hold on. They're going to go flying. But that same spirit that is, that is moving around us, stirring us, igniting us like flames of fire and guiding God's people through our lives. I appreciated this week the writing of Mita Stamper. She's a Presbyterian minister, a New Testament scholar from Princeton Seminary with a PhD. And she wrote in a little blog, this is where preachers sometimes go, working preacher. And she said about Trinity Sunday, we might think of it this way, to imagine a Trinitarian triptych, one of those three paneled things, for this Sunday and the last two Sundays. So two weeks ago, if you can remember that far back, I hardly remember what I had for breakfast yesterday, except it was good at Vera. I had French toast, yes. The first panel, Jesus is comforting and praying for his disciples, and including us as well. In the middle panel, we would have the day of Pentecost, when we lift off on the wings of the Holy Spirit, risen from Easter. And in the third panel today, for Trinity, we become the bearers of God's love for our neighbors and for the world. Thus, Mrs. Potato Head, ready to put arms and legs on our faith. Trinity is that day when the Creator, the Redeemer, and the one who sustains us, they come together and they come alive in us who are baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And today's gospel, a very short gospel, but the words that kept coming back to me from today's word is that the Spirit will guide you into all truth. The Spirit will guide you. Jesus didn't give us a road map showing us all the twists and turns and mountains and valleys and dead ends that we might encounter in our lives. He didn't give the disciples a GPS they didn't have Google Maps to help them find their way. He simply gave them the promise that his own spirit was upon them and would guide them every step of the way. Because this journey into Christ 
requires that they fully rely on God's promises and power. This is the spirit that was poured out on those first disciples at Pentecost and guided them each day. This is the spirit that was poured out on us in baptism. This is the very same spirit which has guided Bethlehem Lutheran Church. I never heard it called Beth Lou before. We just called it BLC, as I remember, for the past 100 years. This spirit is old. I remember the words of 1 Corinthians about the Spirit and how it's given to each one and activates the gifts in everyone for the common good. This is the Spirit that sprouts arms and legs and eyes and ears and helping hands onto our faith. The Spirit at work is evident to me here at Bethlehem about how it has been active in your life. It still is, and I know it will continue to be active, as Dr. Elwood said, for the next 100 years. Why, this spirit has called some to become pastors. When I first came, David Nevergall, who I understand came some time ago, he was in seminary. Uh, Lori Nikoloff, she was a teacher in our Sunday school, so I worked with her. I think she did First Communion, if I'm right, uh, in the fifth grade. And Matthew Nik Nikoloff, well, he was in confirmation class. And I understand he was preaching here some weeks ago as well. And now that spirit has taken them away so that they can spread seeds of the gospel in other communities. Now, most people, as you know, are not called to be pastors, but everyone is called through your baptism and your vocation to serve the living Lord. Whether you're working or retired or volunteering, whether you're a parent or a spouse or a caregiver, whether you're a child or a teenager or a community leader, that spirit is alive and active in you. And serving in the name of Jesus, we know, is never easy work. Well, sometimes, a lot of times, it's fun, but it's also hard. St. Paul wrote about this in the book of Romans, how suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Why? Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Now, I know you'll remember, because this church was always doing a lot of Bible study. Uh, some of you did a study before I came, and when I was here, we did kerygma, and I know there were other studies. But Paul was not writing from an ivory tower apart from the realities of the world, but you'll remember he was writing from a jail cell. He was anticipating his own death, and he still managed to talk about hope in Christ. And you'll remember that Paul was not writing to the rich and powerful rulers of his day, but he was writing to the poor, to the downtrodden, the outcast, the marginalized, the suffering people who were enduring persecution and oppression and even death. And Paul encouraged them to keep on keeping on, to never lose heart. Why? 
because that love has been poured into our hearts. So when the going gets tough, God's people get going, and they keep going and going and going and going again, trusting God to guide them and give them the strength they need to do God's will. I was thinking back, I have to go way back now, you know, almost 30 years or so since I was here. And I was thinking of a time when it was right before Christmas and we decided to have field trips with the confirmation classes. We all divided up and took kids different places. And I had a group of kids that went down to Advent House. It was not the Advent House that you know now, the beautiful home that got built, but it was a little home. I think it was down on 250 on the, this side of the road. And it was just a regular house. It had two rooms in it. And um, our goal to go that night was to, first of all, bring some cookies and put them in the freezer. So when the families came to visit or the grandchildren, perhaps, they, they would have a cookie when they got there at Christmas time. And then we were to write Christmas cards. And we were going to leave them for the residents and for their families who would come in to, to visit the, the residents. And I remember we sat down then, we had our, we sat in the living room and we had our, our papers and our, our colored pencils and markers or whatever. And we, we were to write Christmas cards. Now, we've all made Christmas cards, right? You just whip them right out. Well, we all kind of just sat there and nobody was drawing or writing anything. And after a couple of minutes, one of the, one of the confirmands spoke up and said, I don't know what to write. Merry Christmas and have a happy and healthy New Year. It just doesn't seem like it sounds like the right thing to say to somebody who might not even make it to Christmas. And we all sat there and thought, yeah, what do you say? How do we bring the gospel into the places where people are truly suffering? This is the task. But seventh and eighth graders, guided by the Holy Spirit, came up with some remarkable thoughts. We remembered how Jesus was called Emmanuel, which means God with us. We could tell them that God was with them, even in their dying moments. We talked about the Christmas story. And you remember how the angels appeared in the heavens and a multitude of angels appeared and suddenly they began singing, glory to God in the highest, and peace to God's people on earth. So we wrote about God's peace be with you to the residents and their families. God's peace that, that passes all human understanding. God's peace that the world simply cannot give. That peace. These were the gifts. We couldn't wrap them up and put them under the tree, but these were the gifts that we could give and share with the residents and families of Advent House. You see, the Spirit gave us the words. The Spirit guided us to the truth of the gospel so that we could speak to a hurting world. I find it reassuring to know that the Spirit will guide us because we are living still in difficult times. Just like the earliest Christians, suffering continues. Ukraine, a pandemic that, gosh, I hope it ends soon. 
We have gun violence. You have it here in Rochester. It came on the news the other night. We have it in Philadelphia. We have poverty, racial inequality, environmental concerns. Oh, the list can go on and on. We have our hands full. How are we going to continue? I used to run half marathons in my younger days. I've broken a foot since then, so that's kind of slowing me down. But I remember my first half marathon was an out-and-back course in the St. Lawrence area, St. Lawrence University. And it, the first two miles were flat, and so the last two miles would be flat. But the middle nine miles? Rolling hills, up and down, the whole darn way. So you go up a hill, and then you say, oh, go to downhill. And then you think, oh, this is going to be uphill on the way back, right? And, and the fields just kept coming, nine miles of hills. And I just remember one time thinking, oh, my legs were dying. It was my first half marathon. And I thought, well, just keep your legs moving. Just one step at a time. And you know when you do that, suddenly you're up the hill. And you think, oh, I made it. And then you see the next hill. <laughs> and now you'd run down and then, okay, one step at a time, the whole way, up and down. Just keep your legs moving is what I would tell myself over and over. And it worked. Eventually I got to the flats, and eventually a finish line came into sight, and they served us bagels at the end of the race. Woo! But the same can be done in our Christian journey. I think of the words of Mother Teresa, when she would be overwhelmed. A young newspaper reporter one day came up and interviewed her and said, Mother, how do you do it? How do you keep going on and on and on and on with all the suffering that's around you and presses upon you every single day? And Mother Teresa looked up and said, Young man, I do what I can where I am with what I have. And that's how she approached her daily life one individual at a time. You see, we need not be paralyzed by the overwhelming suffering that's here and around the world, but rather we are spirit-empowered and activated by the spirit to put arms and legs on our faith. So can you think of just one person or one situation, one concern that comes to your mind today? something that stirs your compassion, moves your heart. You feel your legs beginning to want to move, your hands want to reach out. Let the Spirit guide you to do what you can, where you are, with what you have, for the sake of your neighbor and for the world. I always think of that prayer of St. Francis, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. That's a beautiful prayer for times like this in which we're living. We simply ask to be an instrument. Now, any of you know an instrument, you have to tune the instrument. We have to be in tune with the Holy Spirit and listening for the voice of Jesus so that we can come together and work in harmony together so that we can go to places of darkness and bring light. We can go to places where there is hatred and bear the love. We can come upon places of injury and bring pardon. We can find people in despair and offer hope. 
we can go and dare to enter into sadness and live with joy. We can encounter doubt and inspire faith. For these are the very places where Christ our Lord crucified is risen, where he reigns forever and ever. That death is not the final word for us, but we are a people who rise from the grave, who rise from the rubble of our dreams and the rubble of relationships. We are the people who get up and go on and on and on, dancing with the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bringing the love of Christ to our neighborhood and to this beloved world. Amen. We hope you've been fed by the word this week. Don't miss an episode. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And share your feedback with us at the word at blcfairport.org. And if you'd like to learn more about Bethlehem Lutheran Church or support the ministry we share, including this podcast, please visit www.blcfairport.org.